Jamie Davidson and Joey Roberts, who's back for her second appearance on the Two Fun Guys podcast. You're actually the first person to have a dual appearance. So yes. congratulations. Round of applause. <laughs> I have arrived. You got your first badge. <laughs> you made it. There you go. You made it. Thank you guys so much for coming. Um, we went, you guys invited us to a really cool Amazon event last night and we get to meet a bunch of people. You introduced us to a ton of people and you guys are business partners, but I would love to start with a little background on both of you and kind of what you both do in the business. Yeah, sure. So we official titles are managing partners of of AMZ Insiders, which is basically coaching consulting for people that primarily are looking to build brands on Amazon. Uh, whether we get a lot of people that are just early in their journey, but um, you know, with our background in Amazon, we get people that are doing you know say five million plus uh, as well too, and and uh, yeah, probably somewhere in that range. But a lot of people that are motivated but earlier in their in their stages. Yeah, awesome. And then what do you like, do you have different roles that you operate or what, like, what does that dynamic look like in, in AMZ Insider? We're still trying to figure that out, okay. right? I mean, it's when you're partners, like, what do you do? No, yes, we, we definitely have different roles. I took on a big role. And one of the reasons I wanted to partner with Jamie is I noticed a big void of women sellers, like women selling on Amazon, like, hey, y'all stop shopping and spending money. You can actually sell product and have more money to buy whatever you want. So when I came on, that's part of my podcast, Fearless Sellers, the Women of Amazon, was to lift up and celebrate women sellers because still it's only like 30% of Amazon sellers are women, but success is equal. It's not like men are better sellers than women. I actually think women have a little bit of a leg up because we're good at shopping, which is helpful for sourcing. So that was like one of the co first conversations we had when we were partnering together, like, hey, I can bring this element to the table. And then I built my first brand zero to a million in 12 months. So I'm pretty good at the early stages, right? Like getting to your first million, maybe up to first three million. And Jamie, with his business, he's sold over $100 million in product on Amazon in one year. And Oof. his products have gone into retail and have really gone global. So Jamie can lift people up to take them in scale as big as they want to get. Yeah. I just said it was, yeah, it was kind of an easy for me to like for Joey, because she went through the program and it was like, oh, she did really well. I learned more about her background. Like, oh, she's, you know, it wasn't just the program, you know, it's like, hey, she's motivated and, and good entrepreneur. So I was like, oh, and just what she said too, like, hey, that both men and women, but she's going to resonate more with, you know, you attract, as I learned in this business over years, you used to attract people that are more like yourself, you know, and, and your demographic. And so that was good. And it's just more fun, as you guys know, to build together. Uh, I had original partners in, uh, but they weren't vested on this side of things here too. So this was like a game changer to have, you know, both of us focused on it. And so it's been good. And as far as gravitating, I'd say, it, you know, it's the marketing and there's the development. Um, she's great with the coaching, even though it's a team effort, but she does, she digs in a lot on that. And, and uh, you know, probably take a little more kind of some of the technical and marketing aspects, um, but we have our hands in both stuff, you know, together, I'd say. Yeah. That's awesome. awesome. Jinx. <laughs> I'll go. So, um, I mean, Joey, you've given us an extensive background on yourself. And if anybody wants to go listen to that episode, um, just scroll down. You'll find the Joey Roberts episode. It's really good. I'm very curious, Jamie, how did you even start on Amazon? Because you've been doing it for quite a while now. Yeah, my my background was I was a, uh, I was an army officer early in my career. I went to West Point. So, and then I got out of the military in my 20s. And then I was kind of going through this corporate ladder and banking and 
progressing a few different industries up there, but I got fairly successful in, in this training company, Kaplan, but I was, these uh, investment bankers started approaching me about like, hey, you could probably run your own company. You're probably not going to run this company, but you're with your background, you'd be make a good CEO of kind of a small mid-sized company. So uh, these private equity guys, they introduced me to a bunch of them and they started recruiting me, brought me to Atlanta, Georgia, where I live currently. And uh, I was like the chief operating officer for this private equity backed like tutoring training company. But my next door neighbor was uh, an IT consultant. Well, uh, Jason's name is Chinese, lived in the US for about the last 25 years, but he was selling these cases out of his, started selling them out of his garage. He had the inventory in his garage. Uh, and it was like, hey, what's this thing? We'd come hang out, drink, or a you know, glass of wine, or I was teaching him how to make a proper cocktail because he's trying to learn. And we'd hang out and just drink. And, and this little funny thing was like, oh, this thing looks like it's getting more serious. And we started talking more and more about it. Uh, and so that was like, oh, this is like a real business. And, you know, I was, I was doing fairly well financially or reasonably well. But, you know, he was always talking like, oh, you got to entrepreneurship's where it's at. You got to do this. And, you know, like a lot of people, I always had this in my, even back to my military days, I had a little vending business. I always had this urge to do it, but it was harder to make that leap, especially as you got a little bit older and I had three boys, you know, married to three boys. It was, it was like, oh, how am I going to do this and make that leap? But was, I saw the business was really growing enough, um, though the opportunity was there for me to jump into it. So I was like, let's do this. And I liked the industry because the e-commerce industry, I was like, oh, I want something that's going to be, have a lot of runway for years to come if I get involved into it. So that's really how I got involved to it with, with kind of a neighbor. There was a couple other business partners time too, but, uh, that was it. It was originally, it was a lot of uh, iPad cases too, because the whole thing too, which, you know, especially early on was like, it was so light, the product was so light and we could sell it for a high margin. It's kind of actually, I mean, Joey kind of in some ways replicated that with her brand in terms of high margins. But back then it was like, it was perfect, these cases, because you're in the prices, there wasn't a lot of pricing pressure. So you're, right. you know, you're basically... We're acquiring them at, you know, basically a dollar or something, but you're selling them at 38 bucks or and something. Shipping is dirt cheap because they weigh nothing and they're small. Yeah. So when we were just fly, we could fly inventory. I mean, we, and there wasn't just a lot of people really to understand, you know, what that meant to sell on Amazon then. Uh, so it was kind of, yeah, the wild west. And there's a lot of people, a lot of IT kind of computer back science background people got into it because it was, I mean, it's like SEO and all that kind of stuff. What so year was this when this was happening? 2012, like 2013. So it was, yeah, but yeah, it wasn't it wasn't brand building, which is you know different. I'm sure we'll talk some of this stuff now. Now it's different. I think it's better, you know, in terms of how to go about it because it's more, I'd say, fair and reasonable on the up and up. But first, then it was just like this this massive opportunity that if you could understand how to how to kind of game the system in certain ways and get your stuff there and move quickly, you could you could do pretty well. Cool. That's awesome. I want to talk about scaling and. You know, I think a philosophy we've learned from you guys is building a brand to exit. That's where you can make quite a bit of money. Yeah. But I want to know why do you still stay in Amazon? Why do you have your business still in Amazon? And why should people get into Amazon? Yeah, it's a good question. So Amazon, I mean, I talk about this a lot. A lot of people think, people love to think, oh, something's saturated or something doesn't work. Uh, a lot of it has to do with, you know, I can be guilty of this too. It's a lot of self-limiting beliefs as individuals and mindset stuff, probably things that you guys know a lot about, but it's like, so people want to have that like, oh, I missed the boat or I should have done it. You know, I should have gotten into 2015 or 2017. The reality is I view Amazon as a, as a distribution platform. It's not that, 
you have to sell your product. You don't have to sell your product on Amazon. But to me, for us, it's always been the most powerful platform. It's by far, it's bigger than like the next nine biggest competitors combined. Um, but like last year's number did just over a half a trillion. So like 500 something billion dollars in sales. And the numbers are, I mean, the still hockey stick growth year over year. So in aggregate, it's a massive opportunity. Uh, you know, Amazon's competing with all the other platforms too. So things like these TikTok shops and, you know, they're fearful. So they're, they're having to up their game and become more mm. seller friendly as you guys know, it's still, uh, it's never easy, but just, you know, the customers are there, it's a marketplace. Uh, but really think about it as selling a physical product, your brand, build your brand, especially now. And then if that ever really changes or you, you do better on the platform, you can start, I mean, we sell on 30 different platforms, you know, so it's not like that we don't sell on the other platforms, but the, uh, you know, it's just Amazon by far is the most powerful, the most lucrative if you focus. So we always, that was the way we built kind of the brand was just like, let's just keep selling more through Amazon. What are the other, I'm just real curious. I want to get to that too, but what are the other platforms like Walmart, Etsy, you know, TikTok shop. I, those are the only ones I can think of. Like, yeah, there's a bunch of uh, there's a bunch of international ones too, just in other countries okay. that are the, the that are similar. So, uh, but there's like we had so like Channel Advisor was a platform we used to that could help market to all these other all these other ones out there. Obviously, eBay. You know, we have our own Shopify site, all those things. But you know, even if we can make more profit on our our own site or our Shopify site, the the upside of Amazon was so big through the algorithm that we always right. try to get the keyword rank via Amazon. We don't worry about it. the other stuff comes second. Yeah. I feel like it's similar to YouTube. You know, I was talking with somebody last night. It was like, oh, it's too late to get into YouTube. And how many times there's been another entrance and another entrance. And now it seems like there's another resurgence happening now. And I feel like Amazon's the same. It's like same, same fear is always like, oh, it's too saturated. Oh, it's too saturated. Same with like real estate. Mm -hmm. And then like five, 10 years later, there's all these people selling courses and whatnot. You'll like, see the chart. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, there's a lot of people that just rush to things, of course, that like the, the trendy thing, right? Like if we talk about, talking about like, oh, AI's trendy or NFTs are you know exciting and crypto and people jump from thing to thing, but you know, kind of the, the people that actually stay stuff, you know, stay true to it. You know, there's, of course, there's massive opportunities. Look at the numbers. I mean, it hasn't declined ever yet. Someday it may, but the numbers are still just so massive. Yeah. It's about, you just got to carve out yourself, which nowadays, again, is much more about the brand, getting a quality brand built and established. And a good thing if you do that, I mean, again, you can do on other platforms, but the reality is you don't need the, the value of your asset is actually greater if it just like, if it's just on Amazon actually, a potential buyer in the future actually prefers that than if it's spread out into a bunch of different channels. But is it just easier to manage and control? Yeah, they basically view it at from a, a risk perspective that uh, if or or the complexity to manage it and the expense. Like if you have a bunch of little piddly dollars on other platforms, they're like that's not going to move the needle. If you have big numbers on some other platforms, then sure. Hmm. But for them, just to acquire it and plug it into what, depending who the buyer is, maybe they only run Amazon businesses, whatever. It's just you know it's simpler for them. It's less complexity if if you're not trying to dabble into too many different things. That's awesome. Can you share your principles for scaling? Yeah. So for, it's just for scaling. And I, I like to nowadays talk about the framework of, from a, a build to sell perspective, or kind of begin with the end in mind mm -hmm. around how you go about doing that. So, you know, kind of thinking about what your goals are as an owner is kind of where you always start. Like, you know, Joey's shared her story. I mean, here was, was somewhat unique, but not totally it's not that uncommon if you look at like an empire flippers, you'll see a lot of businesses that are for sale for, you know, 2 million, 3 million, 
dollars more that started within the last two years, you know, sometimes just a year, right? So uh, depending on your goal, kind of work backwards from there. But um, again, nowadays I, I, I view, I kind of recommend people to kind of look to build, to sell, because a lot of times the skill set it takes to get to, you know, from zero to a million or zero to a couple million is different. And our story was a little bit unique that we built it, it bigger, but usually very rarely can the same operators be the same person that can take it to, you know, to 10 million to 20 million. It's just, it's a different game. You're managing a lot of people and a lot of systems. And for most people are like, they don't want to do that. They'd rather just start another brand or something. Um, but in terms of scaling, you know, certainly, you know, as many to be able to systematize stuff as much as possible, uh, even way back then, again, I helped my partner, uh, and Jason, he was, he was an IT guy, kind of set up a lot of systems for Mark. So we had like NetSuite we used for like, you customize it for everything. So we kind of built our own customized logistics system, you know, coordinating because we had all this volume that's going around the globe and everything else. But, you know, to simplify, but you got to have the systems in place on top of what, in this case, what Amazon provides you, but your own systems and financial tools to manage everything. And um, we had a process in terms of product evaluation, all the new products we're launching. We have a team. Uh, we do have a... We, team in Shenzhen, China. We eventually moved it. We have people in Atlanta, but we had a team over there. We shifted a lot of effort there, but we still had a process like any time that uh, any English language or printing on anything had to come through our US team to review it for marketing purposes or social media that came out of this because those guys don't know the nuance of the language. So anyways, just like a process for everything to get in place to be able to uh, to scale, you know, like your, your product procedures, your, uh, you know, essentially there's some good tools now in terms of creating SOPs and processes there, which again, this also increases your ability to sell your brand because the next person looking at it, if they see you're organized with, we've got this process, it's like, we've got this business in a box ready for someone else to acquire, so to speak, you're going to get a bigger multiple and it's, you know. That's interesting. Yeah. I think what's an interesting question is because we started and we launched just a hodgepodge of stuff. Oh yeah. Because like, mm -hmm. and I think as a seller, like even if you were to tell me, begin with the end of mind, it's such a foreign thing. You're like, how do I even know? Yeah, what you have no idea what possible end could even exist. Yeah. So, so like, yeah, with our, with our store right now, there's like two products that are wildly different. More male, athlete, feminine, chic. Same, same brand name or different brand name? They're like creating their own brand names and we're getting trademarks for it. Mm -hmm. How do you, do you just start to like, can you recommend starting a store and experimenting with a bunch of stuff and growing brands into their own things? Yeah, yeah. So this is, that's, this is a good point you're bringing up or a good topic. So a couple of thoughts. Back in the original days, you'd see more of that. Like people would just everything. sell anything because they were thinking about just cash flow and- Just generic You know, whatever the hot thing was. Or in 2015, it was the fidget spinners that were selling like for 40 bucks for a little, you know, piece of junk for the kids. But, you know, these fads get on there, right? And, and But you could, you can do that. And you can, if you want to learn, yes. But you want to be careful- around that because when you're building your brands, like even those two brands said, like you want, you don't want more than one brand in in one account. Yeah. So, because when, when you are looking to sell your, your business and uh, you know, it's a negotiation, like the person buying your brand, they're going to tell you they love it. And then they're going to tell you all the things that's wrong with you and your business <laughs> to get the lower price. Right. And they're just going to keep going. They're going to come back. And a lot of times these guys are professionals um, and that's an easy one for them. Like, Oh, well you're co-mingled your brands and we, I know you say it's this, but really, I don't think it's worth that much because we're gonna have to fix that. So that can like cost you easily like 100, 200 grand. So you mean two brands under the same seller account? 
You shouldn't do that. Yeah, you should not do that. Because a lot of times when someone acquires your brand, they're not going to acquire your company. They're going to just acquire the brand and ask, they're going to acquire the asset. Mm -hmm. And so you want to make it as easy as possible for them to transfer that brand. They might look to buy both your brands. I mean, you can, depending on who the buyer is, but they might just want to buy that one brand. And if it's commingled and mixed up, then it's going to cost you. So they're buying your seller account essentially. Yeah, yeah. In some cases, they're just transferring the stuff because Amazon has a process to transfer, but sometimes they are just buying your account. So, you know, it, if you want to go the most extreme, then piercing is you have one LLC for each brand because it's like, hey, we're going to do this and we're going to have separate, of course, the financials and taxes, et cetera. But at a minimum, try to just separate and run the brands in different accounts. Can you ever merge them into a different seller account? Or that's the a, brands? Yeah. Yes, you can. You can, Amazon doesn't want you selling the same brands out of two different accounts because they consider that potentially manipulation, yeah. right? That's what they were. They don't mind you having, nowadays they don't mind you having multiple accounts. Back in the day they did because it was like, it was a black hat technique to, to launch your products. We'd, we'd had, you know, hundred accounts buying our products mm. back in the allegedly. old days. Yeah, allegedly, yeah. Rumor, I heard rumorly, but, uh, but yeah, there was all these, but yeah, so, but now that Amazon recognizes these are assets that get sold and bought by people, but they, you want to just have it as clean as possible. So we could technically move one to a new account. Yes. Yes. Yep. You can. Uh, but yeah, I just recommend. So those are the type of things, as you said early on, you're like, hey, you're not necessarily thinking about it. But when you start growing and have success, right, you start building a brand, it becomes, you know, it's not easy. I mean, you've lived that too with your brands, right? And build and it gets bigger and serious. Like you don't want yep. those dynamics. Yeah. Yeah. What are things, and this is for both of you guys, like what have you, if you could go back and teach yourself something when you were starting, you know, like for us, it would be like, so many maybe, things. Yeah, there could we, be we a Bible as shit. On, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, are there a couple key lessons that you could, and obviously you don't want to change it because it's what made you you and what brought you here, but maybe save yourself the headache. Like, what would you want to have shared with yourself? Uh, yeah. I mean, for me, there's, there was a lot because my brand grew too fast. So I would say, you know, hitting $200,000 in sales when you're a new seller and you have an expensive product. And I hit that, I think like month three, two or three, I was like at $200,000 in sales. Ooh. I know. Well, right. <laughs> but so then I like kept pushing to grow bigger and bigger and I should have just kept that threshold. That That's a learning lesson. But but from there, then I mismanaged my inventory, which cost my business in the end when I went to sell it at least $80,000. Like you scaled too hard when you should have just kind of chilled and got the systems in order. Right. Okay. Yeah. I should have seen that milestone and been like, okay, but then I'm such a go-getter. I was like, this is amazing. Let's sell more and more. And then I mismanaged the inventory and I I just didn't have the skill set yet because I was new to selling on Amazon. And, you know, yes, I was in AMZ Insiders. I had the coaches and the support, but I still should have just said, hey, I need to to pull back because what ended up happening is I would take, I would be out of inventory for like seven days at a time at really key milestones. Like I had over-optimized for Father's Day and I was like, I'm going to win at Father's Day. Every dad needs to have my product in their house. Well, then I ran out of inventory like five days before Father's Day. And that's like prime ordering time, right? And I was like, well, you know, most dads have my product. And <laughs> and then they get mad at your brand. Like people get mad that they couldn't get it and it was out of stock. 
you know, you can't control the buyer. So that was my biggest mess up and learning experience. And yeah, I know it's like, oh, poor you. But it was like. But it's your reality still. It's a lesson. It cost you 80 grand. So it did. And while I was going through it, it was like a kick in the stomach. Like I, thought I was going to throw up oh. when I ran out of inventory. And I was like, I ruined my business. Amazon's never going to unlock my money. Like it felt like the end of the world. Mm. I just add on to that. It is. And I it's kind of. I haven't said it in a while, but you say like, hey, the three rules, you know, it sounds like never run out of inventory, don't run out of inventory, you know, never even think about running out of inventory because it's a, uh, back in my, a few years I ran a Home Depot store somewhere in my early after my military days. And uh, so you learn all this hardcore retail stuff. And so just basic retail principles, you know, in a store, that's the same thing, right? You go into a store, you go to the shelf to find your product, it's out of stock. You're like, that's a terrible customer experience, right? Yeah. So Amazon... People don't necessarily think of it because you think like, oh, there's so many products on there and someone else. <clears throat> Amazon, like the last thing they want someone to do is go to your to go buy your product and it's out of stock or it's not there. So maybe they go to Walmart.com and buy, or maybe they go to eBay or go. So mm. Amazon is going to heavily punish you for that. And it because of the dynamics of running this business, it, the lag time and the unpredictability of when your sales are maybe going to start taking off, right? Because you, you know, of course, the the first thing is to try to get your product. Just know, try to get it to sell well and get going. Um, you know, maybe not to have too much inventory, right? You got to balance all these things. But you know, once it catches fire a little bit, or maybe you get the best seller's badge or something, just what Joey's happened. What you know, you get this accordion effect because then you kill the algorithm, then you reinvest and you spend a lot of money on your advertising to get the rank back up, and then you. But you know, so you really I got good have to at that. that cycle. I was like, <laughs> ooh, wait, I know how to overspend money for advertising. Yeah, in that case, you can have good sales, but you won't have the profitability, right? You'll just be like, oh, I'm making like. I feel like I'm breaking even or I'm barely, we're putting all the money back in, but we're not really making headway, even though we're getting some traction sales-wise. So that one, I mean, I agree. And the other factor is just the fact with these businesses, unlike the service business or we're doing the coaching assaulting where the, I mean, you have inventory, typically that's coming over from China or coming across the world. And so a lot of people just, you know, it's like procrastination or waiting. They don't give enough lead time. Um, so when sales start spiking, they just don't have the right plan to get there. Or maybe you're flying the inventory in and that's, you know, really expensive, especially the last couple of years. So same thing, it's gonna kill your margins, but you're trying to protect your protect your keyword ranking that you don't wanna lose. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, without a doubt, that's that's a huge one uh, there, but sorry, go ahead. Well, no, I was just gonna say that sounds, it honestly sounds really good to hear you say that because we have ran out of inventory of every single product that we have launched and we do the accordion, we sell out. And yeah. then it's just inventory management is one of those things that nobody really talks about when it comes to, or any type of yeah, because all the the sexiness of the thing is is really on the the marketing, the product, the sales. Now yeah. social media, external traffic, those things are super super important, right? Because you can't can't get in the game if you don't get those things right, or you're not, and they change a lot. But kind of the less sexy, kind of the fundamentals of of just kind of retail, because you're in the retail business, is are those things, and those things, you know, it's like supplier negotiations, things like that. Those things make massive differences in terms of like your actual operation of the business. But, um, and yeah, and that's why a lot of people aren't good. A lot of people that are getting into it, you know, maybe they have a strength and are constantly focused on the sales side or the, you know, how do you get your stuff ranked and show the product, but they don't quite realize how important that stuff is. Uh, but uh, it's not super hard. You can get good at it. It's just a lot of people naturally aren't too excited by it. Well, here's a question because Amazon likes to do this really fun thing where they just hold your money. Right. We all know the infamous Amazon reserve fund. Yeah. And so we found that, at least in our situation, we scaled 
or we launched a lot, right? We launched a lot of products. We didn't know that you had to still have capital to launch your second order and third order. Mm -hmm. So we thought you just use that money to pay for the next one. So we got ourselves into a pickle a couple of times where, you know, we run out of inventory. Amazon's holding onto all this cash for reserve and you can't make the next order. And how long were they holding onto it? Like like two, three weeks. But but then by that time, like you have a bunch of fees or you launch another product and so all the Mm -hmm. Vine fees get taken out and then you don't even get your money in the first place. Mm -hmm. So- I guess maybe the lesson is just be smarter and don't don't make those mistakes. But I guess what like do, what do you teach your clients to avoid that? I think it's one we've been through that. So and I understand the reserve and a lot of the reason Amazon is holding that is because they don't trust you yet. Sure. You're a new seller. You might have had a couple of returns or they're checking something out on your review. So like you can't predict how much they're going to hold for your reserve. And I always teach. Okay, you have to put down your credit card and ideally your advertising spend will come out of your sales. But you could be in a position when you're new and they're holding on to reserve where they are going to charge your credit card. And I do not recommend just continuing to launch launch products, right? It's like, oh, six weeks has gone by. I'm going to launch another product. I say get really good at the product that you launched. Spend time making money, learning how that product is performing on Amazon for your brand. So the next product you launch, you're smarter and you're better at it. And sometimes there's this excitement like, okay, my goal is to launch 16 products this year and I have to rush. Well, then you're as a new seller, you're, you'll mismanage inventory and you probably won't spend enough time on those new products that they deserve to shine. You might think, oh, this product isn't a good product. It's like, well, you don't know that because you haven't learned what you needed to learn on your first product. So even with variations, like some people come out and they're like, oh, I have this um, belt and I want to launch 17 different colors. It's like, okay, well, slow down. Let's do like three, maybe four max to launch so you can learn and apply. Yeah, just uh, add to it too. Yeah, it's it's kind of that chicken. It's hardest when you're early on because you have the least access to the capital. You have the least leverage with your suppliers. So over time, as your suppliers trust you more, over time you can negotiate that in a big way. We didn't pay our suppliers until like 45 days after we received the product, like in the US in the warehouse. And then we would pay them uh, you know, interest-free. So essentially they were funding our inventory because they knew that the, the volumes there. That took years to- Yeah, it takes time. That's not early on, but you can, so, but as you start to grow, you can start negotiating different terms with them. Um, obviously there's, you know, certainly things like seller's funding. There's things. Again, you have to be careful, just make sure that kind of the math works in terms of the cash flow. But there are some resources there to try to close that gap, kind of like the bridge bridge loan, so to speak, capital-wise. And yeah, and it's a balance of, yeah, of growing too fast and trying to do too much. Uh, and it's good though. It's good that you try to push the envelope to launch some things because, you know, on the flip side, it's like, hey, if you can kind of fail and fail quickly and not fail... Uh, kind of not fail in big ways, like don't spend crazy money, but if you can kind of, that's that's not a bad process too. Like we, you know, launch new products and everything else. We still don't, we're not spending, you know, 50 grand, you know, we don't want to blow money, but you don't know for sure every product in terms of, you know, sometimes you think it's going to be great. Of course it's not. And sometimes like, oh, this actually kind of caught on a little bit. Uh, we found kind of a good niche. So there is a trade, but you have to just, you know, 
find that balance. I'd agree. You don't want to overdo it in terms of, you don't need a ton. You need one like hero skew in your brand. That's like, you only need one good product and then you need some others that support it. And that's, you know, a million to $2 million exit realistically, you know, with, with that, as long as you can run it responsibly to your point, you don't need tons. If you, maybe if you're more ambitious and you want to do more, you can, but you don't, you don't need to, you're better off to Joey's point, just kind of trying to run that well and not overly complicated and get the inventory right. That's nice to know. Yeah. Yeah, the other way to look at it too, and again, in terms of exiting, is every time you think of a dollar that you save or a dollar that different make, you, you think of it, don't think of it in terms of a dollar, think of it as like four to five, six times amount impact because every dollar, or maybe it's an expense or a software you're using that you can pull out or whatever, as you get into your business running it because you're gonna sell it for a multiple. And so every dollar is worth actually five or six times. So every dollar you can negotiate on your, your supplier cost, uh, or every dollar price-wise, you can up. It's actually a much bigger number to to what it can be for you guys upon exit. Um, so I think that's just a healthy way to think about, you know, in terms of the the numbers as well. What do you want to have in place when you're looking to sell your Amazon store? Yeah, so you know, the, a lot of sellers don't have this necessarily in place, but you want to certainly like, uh, you know, financials <laughs> that the financials have been happening in the P and Ls. The first thing they're going to do, whether you have someone help represent you or go through or the buyers they are going to go through and try to rebuild your P&L and see what's in there for real. There's things called the ad backs, which are like, let's say you guys have nice cars that you're running through your business. Those things are not going to count against you because the buyer in the future is like, all right, we don't, we, we can get rid of that. Or if you're paying yourself big salaries or something like that, they know those. So those things don't count. But, uh, you know, you think about from the buyer's, but they always, there's a phrase that says it's not what it's not what the seller is selling. It's what the buyer is buying when it comes to business transactions. So it's about what they're, you know, what they view as the thing. So from there, you got to think it's mostly through a risk lens first. Like what's the risk of this business? Do you have trademarks for your brands? The brand Is there, if there's patents, that's awesome, but not common. But if there's patents, that's awesome because that de-risks. Is there any kind of moat around your brand, right? Is there anything that's unique about it? Um, so those are important things to have in place that just, you know, how can you, how is this, business protectable in some way for other people, you know, someone, for another buyer to do that. Um, they like to see, uh, yeah, products that launch, is their ability to launch, is there a, a runway to launch new products? And so I've talked about this with Joey's product at the time that, because she mentioned it at the time, was like, hey, she was selling her business in the product probably in the US or North America, but she was getting inquiries from where, Australia or- Yeah, uh, Australia and New Zealand. Yeah, so I'm like, that's perfect. You can take that and say, for the buyers, say, hey, we haven't even gone into this market, but we can easily, right? There's runway because they're going to pay a multiple, so they're looking for opportunities. But first, they want to see, you know, what's the risk of the business? That's the biggest thing. They want to know, um, are you trustworthy, actually, in the dialogue? So if you're in interacting with them, if you're kind of like hiding stuff or just trying to act a little weird, they're going to, they're not going to trust you. So that does come into play, uh, your ability. And as far as the business, they want to see, you're going to need it's an interesting point because a lot of times we talk to people about this. They're like, well, my business is doing great. Why would I consider selling it? Uh, well, the, the problem is if your business is doing great, it's going up and up and up, and then it starts doing this. Well, now your business isn't sellable because no one wants to catch a falling knife, especially mm -hmm. in this business. They're not looking to do turnaround. So your business almost has no value then. So you got to find the kind of that right plan in time, but you got to be careful not to get too greedy or to fix it. Um, do you think there's an arc, like a timeline, like Two years, three years Not is usually necessarily. I mean, they, they it's funny. Like buyers typically like to see like a business like two years. And the reason they want to see at least two years as a minimum is they like to see you go against your own numbers to see how your your kind of comps are doing 
versus the previous year, but you can do it as obviously as quickly as a year. Uh, but it really doesn't matter too much because there's all different type of buyers that are out there. But the uh, but you know the last couple of years probably profitability wise, looking at ideally margins of around. 20% or higher, you can sell a business at 15%. If you're at 10% or less, you need to like get to work and get those margins back up because hmm. they're looking at, you know, 20% more is a nice healthy spot. Obviously higher is greater, but then they, you know, want to see that the business is growing uh, top line as well too. Interesting. So acquisitions has been a big part of your growth path and like the business that you do. Are you like consulting people on their purchases, acquisitions, exits? Uh, yes. If, yeah. I've helped a good amount of people do that too. And so we helped, you guys met uh, Scott. So I helped mm -hmm. those guys a lot too with, with deals and just through, you know, advisement through different people just because I know it well, but yeah. So it's a, uh, it's cool. It's fun to see people because it is, say that the day you sell your business is the most money you'll ever make with your Amazon business the day you'll sell it. Because mm -hmm. as you guys know, when you're running your business, you kind of, because you have inventory, you got to constantly re, but anyway, the day you sell it, you don't have to, you get paid separately for your inventory too. They sell that separately. You, that's a separate price. You'll get paid for that inventory. Um, and then that money gets wired to, you know, partners in the business and it hits your account. It's like, that's that's where the life-changing stuff hits, you know? So, um, so yeah, it's pretty cool. And it's a cool aspect of the business because you can then, if you want to launch other brands and, you know, you can do it again or take a break. It's, uh, it's fun to see, you know, success stories of people doing it. It's not easy and there's a lot of things you got to do right. But it's a very real, uh, and especially now there's a lot of capital and people that would are interested in buying, you know, buying well-run brands. Mm -hmm. It's a lot to learn. I can imagine it's very popular to buy. Uh, sorry, say that again. It's challenging to run and start an Amazon store. So I can see why it would be enticing yeah. to buy a store. Yeah. So, yeah, to that point, that's why they have all these, and some of them met last night, uh, like Jeremy. One of the Elevate brands are here in Austin. They have raised over a billion dollars in capital mm -hmm. to buy brands. These aggregators, the whole thing is aggregated. It's all about risk again. So they don't want risk. So they don't want the risk of launching a product. So you're going to get. That's why you get paid or Joey get paid for the exit because you've taken on that risk of launching products and all the stuff you guys struggle with. They don't want to do that. They just want to get something that's predictable and can run well. Right? They can still screw it up there, and some of them are right now taking these businesses over. But, um, but that's why you get the multiple because they say, okay, yeah. You've you've done the entrepreneurial taking the risk, you've proven these out. Now we're going to buy kind of your winners, and and you get rewarded for that with you know a nice payday. So, what are both of your next milestones? The next goal. We together are launching a software for Amazon sellers, and it's something we've been working on ten months or something, and. It's awesome being Amazon sellers where we can pull in like, hey, there is this missing area and we can build a software for Amazon sellers. And I think those are the best softwares when you're actually, you know, a seller. So that is our big uh, next year, like excitement for for us together. Yeah. And continue to grow uh, the coaching and consulting. It's interesting for us because it's, you know, we originally started back in 2017. and when I talked about earlier about running the Amazon business, we did everything kind of in secret way back then. Like no one knew where, what we we're doing. We didn't tell anybody um, just the way things operated, but it's actually worked really well to collaborate. We found like actually collaborating and, you know, we're all at an event last night and the people, the network, and we pull a lot of people in the network, kind of like legitimate people in the industry. Cause you know, as you know, online marketing, there's a lot of different characters in the space, but uh, 
But so we pull in a lot of those people that were at the event last night actually come and are presenters for us and we collaborate. But the point being is we just found like there's a lot of opportunity for business partnerships. You meet people. It's like, that's how Joey and I met, right? She came through and then it's like, oh, let's do some business together. Um, I've met, you know, this guy, Scott. So there's a lot of different ways you can kind of see where the stars align and opportunities for, for really any of us in the space and see like, oh, you know, hey, maybe we want to look at buying your brand. Maybe we want to help sell your brand. There's a lot of cool things you can do in the space, depending on what you're interested in doing. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, we want to continue to grow that and, you know, build that in a, in a good way. And it's always changing, like the marketing stuff. You guys have talked like, Hey, you know, the social game, it's like, you're always trying to figure this stuff out. So it is interesting. We're always trying to kind of reinvent ourselves, uh, both on the, uh, the AMZ insiders, but also it overlaps. It's a skill set in terms of actually your Amazon brands, a lot of it's converging more and more with all these social media platforms in terms of like e-commerce versus social media. So kind of social commerce. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, so we're trying to grow and get, get bigger and better and, and make a bigger, you know, bigger impact with, with the business there. That's awesome. You got one? Yeah. Patent questions. So I bet a lot of people have this question, mm -hmm. you know, how much do they actually help? And I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. So over a six month period, we developed a product just I saw a need in the market, mm -hmm. just back and forth with a supplier, created this product, and then we launched it. And about a month before we launched, a bunch of products that were kind of similar but super cheap and not quite the same launched. Yeah. We launched ours, crushed it. We didn't know what it would do because mm -hmm. we did the opposite. We didn't find, you know, a bunch of numbers and sales volume and uh, an opportunity. It just, was just a, a giant experiment. Yeah, complete experiment. Mm -hmm. And it just fucking took off. And then about three months in, we were doing great. A uh, bunch of hijackers jumped on, and then now there's a bunch of copycat sellers popping up like crazy. Is it worth applying for a patent, or how do patents really hold up very well, or is it better just to focus on just keep chugging forward and build a strong brand that's just high quality, and not worry about yeah knockoffs? It's a um, it's a good question. By because certainly you know building a good brand without question, so it's not an either or. You definitely want to do that, but. Uh, I would definitely, if you have an opportunity for patent, it's like very powerful, right? So it's, I mean, it definitely, you get a bigger multiple on the backside. It is very attractive to a potential buyer. If you can, if, you know, if you can have a patent in some ways, design patent. Um, I know, again, I know Joey, you experienced this with yours. You guys were, I think, working on that. So too, it's a, it's a huge deal because just it, it again, it de-risks it because uh, it does provide you some protection. It is some effort. You don't want to spend tons of time of chasing people, you know, off and, and get totally distracted by it. Um, but uh, it is powerful too, but you can scare a lot of people away. You can have letters that go to people. Uh, but yeah, no, it is definitely a, a big deal to have a patent and it's extremely attractive to, uh, you know, buyers yeah. that will look at it, like the aggregators, everything else. They like, they put you in a different category if you, if you have that, because yeah, then your product is defensible. Whether you decide, you know, when when to do it or when you're gonna do it, you know, it depends what's worth your time and the and the money. But there, but any other stuff you did with uh, with on the patent side or at least looking into it. And would you get a design versus utility, or is it the same thing? Or it depends. I mean, they'll tell you if it's a design or oh, okay. utility patent when you go up to do. I mean, I would do whichever one is like easiest and fastest. But yeah, just having even the patent pending right? Because it takes a long time, does give your brand a lot of authority. Mm. And so I chased patents and went after patents. And I think that helped when I was selling my brand, mm. but it did scare people from copying the look and feel and exactly what my brand is. And there, there were other products similar to it. And 
Amazon takes it serious when there's copycats and you have put in time to show that you're a real brand and you've gotten patents or your patent is pending. And I mean, Amazon has uh, programs that'll help protect your brand too. I think like transparency is one of them, but you do need to put in the work for it. So I always recommend it. Like if it's a unique product, like definitely get a patent because at the end of the day, we're in this to make money. And when you have that patent, it's so attractive for somebody to buy your business and for people shopping on Amazon. They're like, oh, cool. I'm buying a patented product. Like I want the real deal. I don't want the knockoff. Mm -hmm. Nice. That makes sense. Because, I mean, realistically, someone could just change one small feature and then patent doesn't really do anything. But it's more about the... Yeah, but it's like a percentage change. Okay. Yeah, most people don't... They're not going to go through the effort a lot of times too, or they're not going to want to do that. But that's... Yeah, it's... And that's not a uh, theoretical. I mean, it's proven like we, the, the surveys done to all the aggregators, what things they value and buying, what they'll pay a higher price for. And patent is like one of the number one things. Interesting. Like besides, you know, obviously the, the, a well-run business is like the numbers have to be there to support it, the margins and the growth, but the patent is like, they say definitely they'll pay a bigger value. Makes sense because you're protected in your market. Yeah. It's an asset. It's just a, it's a fine, it's an asset to the, that you guys know. Your trademark's an asset too. It's just not, you know, the patent's a more valuable asset. You know? Have you talked to an attorney to get a patent? Mm, yeah. And are you within your timeline? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're, so we have until... I think like August. Nice to get it done. So yeah, we want to do it ASP. We're just waiting for funding. Yeah, a bunch of Amazon orders. needs to give us some money. Ah, yeah. Some money. <laughs> waiting, yeah, the we, money we scaled so hard, and we actually had orders ready to go, but then we couldn't pay the rest of them, and so they're just sitting there. And we would have just like done so well, but in some ways, I'm grateful because we pushed ourselves into such a deep end. We mm-hmm. have to figure it out, mm-hmm. and I rather in some ways be in that state of figure it out than be too conservative and always afraid to push. Yeah, that's it's that's kind of what I was saying earlier. Kind of the the best way to learn is to do things, and it, as long as it's not you know fatal. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> yeah. too do it and fuck <laughs> it up, but don't make it terminal. Yeah, but yeah. how are you guys staying on the same page with that? Like, we, on what? we stopped. We we have an agreement that no more products, no more launching anything until yeah, we're done. Launching. This this is like and you two agree on everything because I had a, yeah. a business partner before Jamie in in a consumer product, and we were not always on the same page, especially when you know, you're running out of inventory or you want to spend money here. Well, we have small disagreements on like, maybe what should we spend the money on? Like, oh, I think we should put it towards this. Like we, we had one disagreement where we, barely a disagreement. We're always on the same page for the most part, but we had one product that was chugging along, cooking really well. It's not like the huge seller, but it's like a momentum product. And we had some funds we're like, well, we could either put it towards the one that's making some money or we can put it towards the one that's like out of stock, but this is like the, the big product. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, well, which one, which one do we do? Right. Yeah. Like, so, do we piss off the supplier? Cause yeah, we which already supplier ordered. Are we going to piss off. Yeah. Right. But which we had a brutal you know, thing. That the reason that we work well together, I think is we, we're both very similar and we agree on stuff most of the time, like yeah. the big decisions we agree on, but we're very different people in that he is the guy that wants to go fast and break everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just like, Six he will push, all like, the launch way. as many products as possible. <laughs> Always. And I'm a little more reserved and conservative on like what we want. Which to is do. very helpful. Yeah. And, and he's we'd, be, we'd be homeless. Because like, we, if, if, if there was no me, Brent would just blow up into space and then and it would, the whole thing would crumble. That's the uh, slow down to win. Exactly. And if it wasn't for Brent, yeah. then I would still be launching my first product. Mm-hmm. So like we both push each other in the, in the right ways. And I think we, because we live together, we can like debate it 
over like a three day period. Yeah. During breakfast, during lunch, at night. It's I didn't all know y'all lived together. Yeah. Yeah. This is like official. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we're. What is the what is our phrase? Uh, heterosexual life partners. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I think we have a rule. It's like, unless we both agree, we don't move forward. So it's like, we kind of just hash it out until like one, like we're like, I can all right, okay. okay. And we'll just make passive aggressive petty comments to each other over the course of three days until we finally hash right. it out. Yeah, it works. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like a real relationship. Yeah. 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 So. But the, you know, the point you guys are, and the example is another big one just for these businesses is, I've given this talk before, but you know, I believe entrepreneurship is a team sport. And so the more you can, you know, and you guys are examples, examples that it's really hard to be solo entrepreneurs and the ability to have uh, a partner in some ways, massive opportunity for success. Cause you know, it's like, again, this applies to a lot of things in life, but just, you know, it's like fitness, right? What I was like, if you're going at it your own, so many people are going to not going to make it cause they're going to get stuck. They're going to get done. But you know, it's it's a lot more fun to do it with someone and push each other, but also just set a counterbalance, but also the highs and lows or the days you got to have ability to, to push along. So, but yeah, so entrepreneurship definitely is a, a team sport. And so you have your chance for success, even if, you know, you guys have had some ups and downs is just much greater mm -hmm. first. And again, we've helped like thousand plus people. We've seen it a lot too. It's, it's not impossible for the individuals, but for most people, you know, if you can find a business partner, sometimes you talk about funding earlier too. A lot of times, let's say you guys find a third partner that's like, hey, like I don't have time for this, but I've got like a lot of capital. So, hey, what could I, maybe I We can... did that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We also have that going we on. We also have that. All right. That's a whole other layer of complexity. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, if it's the right partner or whatever else, and that can help like, hey, you know, it's we put in there. Yeah. So we'll put this in, you have the agreement in. So, uh, you know, there's just, there's plenty of options to make this stuff work as long as, you know, you just have to do it responsibly and learn from lessons and try to, you know, put together a successful business. Yeah. 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 We're very grateful for people like you guys who are able to kind of show us the the pathway, like shine some light on the path because it's easy. And this goes for all entrepreneurs and people just doing their own thing. It's easy to get tunnel vision on what you're doing and feel like you're alone and like you're stuck and like, oh, I'm the only one dealing with it. But the more we talk to people in the space and like, you know, you took us to the event last night and talking to other people and their journeys and their path. It's like, all right, we're fucking things up for sure. But Everybody's done that. And it's it's the same path that they've all walked and you feel less alone because you know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel because sometimes it can feel defeating. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. talk about just like entrepreneurship is just solving problems after yeah. problem after problem. Probably if you solve enough problems, you'll get rewarded mm -hmm. X amount you know, for that. Um, and that's what's cool about the Amazon space a little bit is like, wow, you can actually see goals of like these, that's why, you know, right. depending on your owner's goals to start there, what your guys' goals are, like, what would you want to do after you exit the brands? You want to just launch you know, other businesses or kind of figure that out. But then like I said, you kind of work backwards from that and realize like, no, that's, these are, these are real opportunities and real goals you can achieve. They're not just hypotheticals yeah. or mythical. And, you know, you can put your mind behind it and, right. and work there. I mean, again, Joey did a good job of planning exactly how many sales she wanted and goals and targets. And then, you know, the, the exit thing not necessarily was planned from day one, but she had some of those things in place that mm -hmm. lent itself if she wanted to exit or not exit. And it was so bumpy though. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was such a bumpy ride. And I, I mean, I joined AMZ Insiders. I knew Jamie's success. And that's the reason I joined because he had reached the results that, that I wanted being a successful seller. Right. And I, I really thought everybody was making millions of dollars selling on Amazon. So when I'm hitting the $200,000 in sales mark, I was like, oh, I'm still playing catch up. Like mm -hmm. I have to catch up to all these people and go and go. And I 
was alone in my car listening to Grant Cardone books, right? Like 10x, like go harder. And, you know, you get like ramped up in anxiety listening to his books. Mm-hmm. And I was like, everyone's way more successful than me. And I'm in Grant Cardone. I remember listening to it. And it's like what you're what Jamie was just saying is like, to be successful, you have to create problems, solve problems. But I kept saying, well, I'm creating like really big problems. Like maybe I'm not <laughs> supposed to be creating this many problems. And then when I finally dropped my ego and like told uh, Jamie and the coaches like what was happening in the business, it was first like, hey, no, actually you're doing really well. But yeah, totally see why you're making all these mistakes. And then I was like, okay, wait, this is just part now, you know, it's been a long time, but I'm like, it is totally part of it, like riding the waves as an entrepreneur. And anybody who says it's easy is totally lying or they're not successful. Yeah. That's the thing. Whenever, you know, and then there's Amazon itself is constantly creating, feels like they're creating problems potentially for you. And all they hate their sellers. Yeah. yeah, That's what it feels like. (laughs) They they are getting better and better because they're they're more incentivized because there's the lawsuit that you see about, about Amazon selling their products as yeah. first sellers and how they, you know, in other countries, foreign countries, like in Europe, they have a lot stricter rules. So Amazon has to be a good actor. So they're motivated to to try to continue to be better for sellers, which actually is good for us. But but yeah, the reality of it is whatever, and this is just in business too, you see, like whenever you get, you know, it's like, all right, we got the, we're getting our sales great. We got a great product. And it's like, yeah, now, man, now there's this problem or, yeah. you know, hey, now some of our money's being held or we have a cash flow problem. It's just like, That's why a lot of people can't succeed in the business because in entrepreneurship, because there are so many things. And as you grow faster and bigger, this just becomes, you know, it feels like more problems. But if you're comfortable in that and Amazon is going to come out with new rules or they change, you know, reviews, you couldn't do search find by, you know, a few years back that used to kind of like the launching strategies, like there's things that are always changing. So you just have to just like, you know, be in that, like, hey, we're, if we're problem solvers, like, don't, don't sweat it. Just keep solving and, and go the right direction, you know? Yeah, exactly. Because there's no doubt that, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs and for us too, like there's no doubt that we're going to make it work. Like there's a hundred percent faith in it, but there's vindication hearing that like all the weird mistakes and stuff that you make are also happening to other people. And I can't remember who it was, who, who is it that has that quote? Maybe it was Cody Sanchez. And she says, um, like a true entrepreneur, the ones that can really make it are the ones who can handle the highest levels of stress. It's like, you're training yourself for stress yeah. and you become tempered, like tempered glass. And those are the people that Right. Like you're training yourself to take on the most amount of stress at all times. And then it just becomes the norm and then you just keep moving up in tears. I mean, yeah. It's like, as you become more successful, it's because you've exposed yourself to more stress and you've been able to push through it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, if, cause if you don't, you back down or you quit. Right. And that's probably why there's a lot of people who just aren't entrepreneurs. Yeah, and you see the same, that's why, I mean, you guys in the fitness space, you guys, it's like the same thing, right? You can see people that are successful with stuff that can stay with things versus people that can't or don't. There's just a lot of commonality you see in other aspects of their life. It's not that different other than it's like, hey, it's a really cool platform and opportunity. We used to look around, my partner would be like, I can't believe we like, this business in seven years, what was built. It's like, there's no other business in the world we could have done this with other than the fact this is Amazon FBA and we can go global, we can do all this stuff. And the same thing with people like, you know, husband, wives, teams are just like, you know, building these brands that look massive and everything else. They're just like a two person team mm-hmm. with a couple of VAs. It's uh so that part's pretty, you know, try not to get lost and take for granted the opportunity. That's really cool. Right. And that, uh, you know, is there. And then there's, a, you know, again, now there's a market to, to sell the brands. Like again, in the past, there really wasn't. So, so yeah, there's, there's good things that aren't 
not hard, but it, like I said, it applies. I find to other aspects of people's lives, you know, so much of it, or, you know, like analysis paralysis, we'd have people come that were helping, they paid us, you know, an investment and they just can't launch a product because, and I've seen this over years, they're just so afraid. They're so analytical. They're so, and they're just so fearful. There's a new tool that came out. Why well, I haven't looked, used that tool yet. And it's like, well, you're never going to do, you're better off be the other extreme actually and kind of Better off being like us and launching 20 products in a year. <laughs> yeah, no, you are. I mean, you guys have a balance, you said, but no, I mean, because you never have any chance for success if you're not, if you're afraid right. of failure. Mm -hmm. And you see that a lot too. And it's hard for people. Those people really shouldn't be entrepreneurs. They probably have to, you know, just stay to the day job if you can't take some risk. Yeah. Right. I got one more question for you. AMZ Insiders question. So we took a course and that's how we learned to kind of build mm -hmm. up to where we are now. But we find in that course, it's just plateaued. We get on calls, just kind of still beginners. You know, and we're really looking for that next level of like, you know, 100 to all the way to a million. Um, how does that work inside of your guys' business for your your students? Yeah. Right. Do you have a separation? Uh, do you have like mini masterminds where people at a certain level only meet together? So you're not hanging out with like, what's a skew? <laughs> yeah. Good question. The way it's a little different than that, because it's pretty boutique. We don't work with a ton of people. I mean, we have, we have a team of basically five uh, or basically four primarily coaches, including Joey and I both. So it's really more about that. Uh, like we have, you know, some guys that are doing four or 5 million with us, but the reason why they're doing it is because they just have direct access to us. So yeah, the trainings and you have, you said industry leaders that we pull in, that's applicable to any guys or the AI tools, whatever we're sharing. It doesn't matter what level, but the, uh, it's more about like, Hey, you're jumping directly or a zoom call or, or going through the stuff. So the guy at 4 million is different than, someone new, but for him, he doesn't spend any time with, he's just interacting with us directly. So that's the reason we did the coaching initially was just because I didn't know who would we actually attract initially. Cause I thought there's not as many bigger sellers, but those guys, um, but yeah, it's just that customization one-on-one. -on -one. So a lot of times it's like, you know, Joey's hurting, handling certain aspects, but they're like, Oh, Jamie, this question is like, this is a good fit for you or someone's looking to exit their brand. So that's kind of how we handle it. And it works really well for us versus and same thing in the beginner, they're not getting overwhelmed because they're not ever seeing it. We just work with people one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. I guess it's like, again, it's like customized fitness or whatever, right? Same mm -hmm. thing as like, if you're working with a certain person, if you have that aspect, um, we don't ever want to kind of just do the course aspect because we don't think that was going to be valuable enough. Right. And a lot of it to me is the mentorship and the accountability yeah. aspect more than, than more just the information. We can get information. It's more about helping with the execution. Cool. So we have access to you guys as coaches. Yep. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. unlimited questions and answers, and that was where when I was in the program, it was up to me how much I was going to share about my brand and what my product was. And some people out of the gate are comfortable being like, "Hey, here's my product. Review my listing, and we can look at it." And we remind them the only people who can hear you are coaches. And then from there, it's like, okay, uh, for you guys, it's like PPC. And you told me your PPC, right? And I was like, okay, well, option one is you get on with our PPC coach, one-on-one -on -one Zoom, spend an hour, however long it takes to dig in. Or are you at a point where you need to talk to one of our partners and maybe pay them to help you manage it? And that is like the customized coaching you get with us. No other program does it because it's hard to do and it's time-consuming. And Jamie built this program and then I came into a partner because it really is shaping and giving back to the Amazon community to make and build successful sellers. Sold.
sold. <laughs> Sign right here. Once Amazon pays us some money, we'll get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, there you go. You can have it. Yeah. 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 It's cool. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for coming. Jamie, Joey, um, yeah, I guess final it. words, anything that you would want to share to the audience, whether it's about business, um, mindset, anything that you feel would be beneficial for them to hear. Go ahead. Yeah. And it just, uh, I'd like, you know, the, right at the point about, I think entrepreneurship is a, is a team sport. Uh, you know, big believers, I think everyone should sell a physical product. I just think, you know, nowadays you have the opportunity, you know, we know people that sell products that don't sell it on Amazon, they sell it on something else. But I do believe there is this awesome opportunity for everyone to have their own brand, their own product to sell, you know, and Amazon FBA private label, like owning that brand is what's valuable. We're just big believers in brand because of having an asset that you can exit, not not trying to just create cash flow or retail arbitrage or, you know, do things the right way and Amazon building brands. That's why it is a better time period because you don't have to like game the system. You can do things kind of the right way. It's not necessarily easy, but build a brand that's valuable. That's going to provide value to a customer at the end of the day. That's what you're doing. Uh, and you can do really well. So, and like I said, if you can team up with some people and get plugged into a community, of course, obviously we believe in that stuff. Uh, there's just so many opportunities in the space, which are cool too. Cause you know, a lot of times selling on Amazon, there's opportunities to branch into other things in the space. It's so many opportunities to help in the industry, in the space, uh, which I think is also pretty cool for people as well. Yes. Very well said. And I would say y'all are listening to this podcast already. So I know that you're on your entrepreneurial path or you're considering it. So just keep pushing through it and get around the right people. And when I dropped my ego and I was like, hey, these are my business problems. And then I wanted to help other people. That is when everything opened up and I started making more money, becoming more successful. And then I genuinely want to help Amazon sellers or anybody be better and be successful. And those are the kind of people that I want to be around. And this is an awesome podcast. So thank you for having us. Thank you for being here, yeah, guys. Thank you guys so much for coming. Where can people find you and AMZ Insiders? Yeah, so you can go to uh, amzinsiders.com is just our website overall. Um, if someone was looking to jump on a call type thing, we have a site, it's callamz.com. You can uh, you can book a time with a team, fill out a little bit of information. But uh, yeah, so, and then, or social media, if you guys see us on social media, you can reach out. Joey's always good about responding to Instagram. I'm only stuff. good on Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> I need to expand, but yeah. Instagram. Yeah, so don't be shy. We'd love to hear from people and, and connect. Beautiful. Thanks so much for coming, guys. Thanks, guys.